0: Psalm 141, verses 1 and 2. Psalm 141, beginning in verse 1. Hear now the word of the living God. A psalm of David. Lord, I cry out to you. Make haste to me. Give ear to my voice when I cry out to you. Let my prayer be set before you as incense the lifting up of my hands as the evening sacrifice. This is the word of Christ, and we say, thanks be to God. Amen. Please be seated. Let's pray. Lord, now as we look to your word once more on this, your special holy day, we ask that you would incline our ears to hear. We pray that you would indeed make haste to come to us in your word. And may our prayers ascend to you this evening. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I want you to imagine the city of Jerusalem with me for just a few moments. And not the city of Jerusalem today. Or even the city of Jerusalem shortly after Jesus was crucified and was raised. But the city of Jerusalem... In David's time, the city of Jerusalem in Jesus's time as a little boy, as a teenager, as a young adult. Picture with me the city of Jerusalem and and you will see its walls, you will see its streets, you will see there in great glory and splendor, the temple. But one of the things that you would see, particularly at varying points throughout the day, as you got close to the city, was you would see smoke. Actually, there would be smoke going up all over the city regularly, each and every day. Jerusalem was a city that was full of smoke. It continued that way until about 70 A.D., when, as we saw this morning, a Roman general would crush the temple. But long before we get to that, it is this idea, this picture of the smoke of offerings and the smell of incense ascending out of the temple and into the air. The old covenant people marked by their city of Jerusalem were a people with smoke everywhere. It's this image of smoke that David utilizes to speak to his prayers. I don't know if you've ever considered this, but we often talk in the pages of Scripture about how we should pray. We did that last week. Sometimes we talk about individuals in the Scripture who prayed. We did that this morning. But oftentimes in the Scripture, we receive word pictures really... Helping us to understand what our prayers actually are and what they look like. Tonight, in the few moments that remain, I want us to see three pictures of prayer. David, the writer of Psalm 141, gives us three different pictures, at least in these first two verses, of what our prayers are like. But we don't simply want to describe what our prayers are like. We want those descriptions to lead us to greater boldness and comfort in our prayers. It's one thing to say, these are what our prayers are like. It's another thing to say, this is what prayer looks like. And oh, by the way, this picture ought to encourage you as you pray. Prayer really is the smoke of the new covenant. Let's see what I mean Look at the psalm. David says, Lord, I cry out to you. Make haste to me. Give ear to my voice when I cry out to you. Let my prayer be set before you as incense, the lifting up of my hands as the evening sacrifice. Now there in these two verses are three different pictures of prayer. The first is this. David can say and we can say as Christ's followers, that our prayers are crying out to God. Praying is crying out to God. David says as much in the first verse, Lord, I cry out to you. That word there in Hebrew for the phrase cry out could be translated in a variety of ways. Let me just give you the word picture. It could mean to call out. It could mean to call for help. It could mean to summon. It could actually be used as if one were to raise a battle cry. The translators of this particular English version have translated it well when they say, Lord, I cry out to you. This is a picture of what prayer, particularly urgent prayer in time of need, is like. Do you consider this picture of prayer? When you pray, do you consider that you are crying out to God urgently? Now, we won't look at the entire psalm tonight, but look at the very end of it and see the kind of urgency with which David prays. Look at verses 8 and 9. But my eyes are upon you, O God, the Lord. In you I take refuge. Do not leave my soul destitute. Let me just stop here for a second. I think we would do well in our Christian journey if we actually prayed the way that the psalmists pray. Have you ever thought about the fact that sometimes when we pray, we feel like we have to polish our prayers? We feel like we have to make them holy. We feel like we have to get into prayer mode. Boys and girls, we need to be reverent when we talk to God. We need to remember that God is the greatest and highest of all beings, and we should respect him and have wonder and awe for him. But listen to the real way in which David prays, the crying out kind of way. My eyes are upon you, O God, the Lord. In you I take refuge. Have you ever considered praying to God, do not leave my soul destitute? Keep me from the snares they have laid for me. This helps us to understand that this psalm is particularly about one of the times when David was being pursued by enemies. Half of David's life, if not more, was dealing with wicked men. Keep me from the snares they have laid for me and from the traps of the workers of iniquity. At the beginning of this psalm, David says, I cry out to you. At the end of the psalm, you see the urgency. Lord, please don't leave my soul destitute. We can pray like David. This picture of crying out to God, of calling out for help to God, of summoning God, is a picture that helps us to understand the nature and quality with which we may pray. Prayer is not just for times of public worship in joy. Prayer is not just for thanking God for things before you eat them at the dinner table. Prayer is not just something you do when you wake up or when you go to sleep. Prayer is also for those moments when you cry out to God. Let me encourage you then, based on this picture To position yourself in your prayers in the reality that God can be reached by you. Now, he is the one that is condescended to us in Christ. He has reached out to us, the sinners that we are. Without this, we would have no access to God. It is not as though the sinner can say, you know what? I want the God of the universe to hear me. And so he will. No, God has made himself known to us in the person and work of Christ And when we trust in him as our savior and as our Lord, when we understand that Christ is our righteousness and that he has died for our sins, then we have the living God and his ear. We have access to him. Just like we saw this morning. But this picture helps us when you pray, friend, position yourself, remind yourself, put yourself in the posture of the reality that God is will hear, that God can be reached by you, that God hears your cries. Any one of us who have had children or grandchildren will, of course, think of the picture of a child in another room crying out sometimes at very odd hours of the morning. Very frustrating hours of the morning, crying out for this thing or that thing. And of course, we rouse ourselves, don't we? We decide whose turn it is to go see, don't we? We get up in the middle of the night and we stumble our way through the bedroom to see. Why are they crying? What do they need? And of course, we go in and we see them and we soothe them and we handle their needs. This is the picture of the hearer that we have when we think about someone crying out. They cry out and we go often, sometimes reluctantly, but it's our duty. This is not who our God is. God does not stumble his way through heaven to get to you when you cry out. God is not asleep. God is not rolling over, looking at his partner, asking them, you know what, it's your turn this time. God is a God that David says is a God that I can cry out to give ear to my voice when I cry out to you. So this very week, when you pray, position yourself in your prayers, in the reality that you can cry out to God and he will hear. He will hear. Our prayers are like. Crying out to someone for help. But David gives us a second picture in this psalm. And that is this. Our prayers are a plea for God's presence. Not only are we crying out to God for help, but our prayers are like a plea for God's presence. Notice what David says. Lord, I cry out to you. Then what's the second part? Make haste to me. Not only do I want you to hear me, Lord, but come to me in my need, in my burden, in my confession of sin. Think of your prayers like this. Position yourself in your prayers in the reality that God will come to you. It's one thing for God to hear you. It's another thing for David, the psalmist, writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to pray, Lord, make haste to me. David was not sitting there thinking, it's too much for me to ask God to hear me and to come to me. That's too much. I'll just ask God, hear me. David cries out as if he is wounded and needs a doctor, as if he is a child and needs its mother. Lord, I cry to you. Make haste to me. When you pray this week, let this picture flood your mind. My prayers to God are crying out to one who will hear me. And my prayers are crying out to a God who not only hears me, but who will fellowship with me and come to me in my needs and in my burden. Friends, these are just pictures of what prayer looks like. And they remain pictures as long as we read them and move on, as long as we sing them in public worship and move on. But when we realize that these pictures are actually spirit given pictures to help us to understand how to pray better, then we can begin to say, you know, my prayers this week, Monday, Tuesday, late Thursday in the evening when the whole house is silent and I'm the only one awake, my prayers are a crying out to God and they are a plea for God's presence. God, when I pray to you, it is you that I need. It is your presence. So position yourself accordingly, beloved. Pray with these pictures in mind. But there's a third picture of prayer that David gives. And we open with this picture. Notice what he says in verse 2. Let my prayer be set before you as incense. The lifting up of my hands as the evening sacrifice. Now, with this third and final picture, there's a little bit more of scripture that we need to consider. What does David mean when he says, let my prayer be set before you as incense? The lifting up of my hands as the evening sacrifice. Well, in the Old Testament, there was a system of offerings and of incense Let's just consider them briefly for just a moment, because David is saying, my prayers are like the incense arising from the altar in the temple. May it be like that, Lord. My prayers are as the lifting up of my hands as the evening sacrifice, the evening offering is being given. So let's understand what that looks like for just a moment. Firstly, then prayer set before you is incense." A couple of passages, you can turn to these or just note them and look at them later, but I'll read them. Exodus chapter 30, Exodus chapter 30 and verse 8. Exodus chapter 30 and verse 8. This is, of course, the instruction that God gave to Moses concerning the various furniture for worship. Exodus 30, beginning in verse 7, Aaron shall burn on it sweet incense every morning when he tends the lamps, he shall burn incense on it. That is the altar. And when Aaron lights the lamps at twilight, he shall burn incense on it, a perpetual incense before the Lord throughout your generations. So when the tabernacle was moving throughout the wilderness, when the people entered into Canaan. And eventually the tabernacle shifted into a permanent building known as the temple. There was smoke everywhere. The Old Covenant was marked by people having smoke everywhere. Perpetual incense being offered up from the altar to God in the Old Covenant. We read of such a thing in the New Testament. Look at Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1 and verse 10. You remember John's birth, that is, John the Baptist, boys and girls, and being announced to Zacharias, John the Baptist, of course, the cousin of Jesus. We read this in Luke chapter 1, verse 10. And the whole multitude of the people was praying outside at the hour of incense. Think about how long that was. And there were some interruptions. We looked at one of those interruptions this morning, the exile. 70 years in Babylon, but think how long from the time that God gave Moses the command for there to be an altar with incense and for the priests to have this incense ascending to the throne of heaven, all the way to about the time that Jesus was born incense ascending. But what's interesting is that we don't just see incense being used as an Old Testament act of worship alone in the scriptures. We see incense becoming, if you will, a picture for prayer. Modern-day scholar Alistair Roberts says this of the Old Testament sacrifices, quote, sacrifices are like dramatized or ritualized. Prayers. And that's what they were. The incense was a picture of the people praying. The offerings, as we'll see in just a moment, the evening sacrifice, as we'll see in just a moment, was an opportunity for prayer. And so it becomes no shock to us when we read of places like Revelation chapter 5 and verse 8, the following words. Listen to this. Revelation 5, verse 8. Now, when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each having a harp and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. It's almost as if. For over a thousand years, the Lord God, the living God, gave the old covenant people the practice of burning incense so that one day he could tell us as new covenant people in Christ, that is exactly what your prayers are like. When you pray to me as people who are in the temple, the temple of Christ, when you pray to me, it is as if the incense is ascending to my very face. There's incense in New Covenant worship. and I, I don't mean the incense of our brothers and sisters in the high liturgical churches that use incense. I mean, our prayers are the incense of New Covenant worship. We see this again in Revelation 8, verse 4. John Gill, the early... Reformed Baptist, particular Baptist, writes these words on this passage, quote, which was offered every morning on the altar of incense, at which time the people were praying. Incense was offered as people were praying. He continues and was an emblem of it, even a pure, holy and fervent prayer, which being offered on the altar, Christ, which sanctifies every gift and by him the high priest, Through whom every sacrifice is acceptable unto God and through whose blood and righteousness and the sweet incense of his mediation and intercession, it becomes fragrant and a sweet odor to the Lord. And being directed to him, it goes upwards, is regarded by him and continues before him as sweet incense, which is what the psalmist prays for. David praying under the old covenant system. Lord. Lord. What is happening in the temple? May my prayers be like that. May my prayers be like the incense which arises to you. However, brothers and sisters, you and I aren't in the old covenant. We're under the new covenant. Christ is the priest. He is the temple. He is the sacrifice. His blood is what makes all of our prayers pleasing as a pleasing aroma to the living God. David helps us to pray when he says, hey, your prayers are like crying out to God, like a child in the middle of the night. Your prayers are like a plea for God's very presence. And your prayers are new covenant offerings or aromas. No more do we have an altar upon which we burn incense. But there very much is incense in the new covenant. There's smoke all over the city of God, beloved, and it's our prayers. Think about it. Even in this week ahead, when someone says, "Pray to, for pray for me," would you pray for me this week? When you're gathering in just a few moments with other saints and you're praying, when you're praying by yourself in your prayer closet, when no one else sees you, it's as if there's new covenant incense arising to the very throne room of God made pleasing by the blood of his son. Your prayers are ascending just like that incense of old. But it's not just incense that David uses here when he compares our prayers to pictures. But look, notice the second part. Let my prayer be set before you as incense, the lifting up of my hands as the evening sacrifice the lifting up of my hands as the evening sacrifice how is it that we can say that old covenant language can really be used to describe our prayers we'll turn to revelation once more revelation chapter 8 revelation chapter 8 in verse 4 We don't have time to mind the entire book of Revelation to get our bearings straight, do we? But notice what occurs in Revelation chapter eight, verse four. Then another angel having a golden censer came and stood at the altar. He was giving much incense that he should offer it with prayers of all the saints upon the golden altar, which was before the throne. This is a picture of heaven, if you will. Verse four, and the smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints ascended before God from the angels hand it's not me it's not you that's trying to say that our prayers look like pictures from the old testament the word of god says that but what is this lifting of my hands at the evening sacrifice what was the evening sacrifice Well, just this morning, we saw in Daniel chapter 9, verse 21, that an angel, Gabriel, comes to Daniel at a particular time to give him an answer to his prayer. And it's at the time of the evening sacrifice, 3 p.m., if you will, in our time. But what was this evening sacrifice? Turn over to Exodus chapter 29 and verse 39. More instructions by God to Moses for old covenant worship. Exodus 29, verse 39. Now this is what you shall offer on the altar. Two lambs of the first year, day by day, continually. There was smoke all over the city. One lamb you shall offer in the morning, and the other lamb you shall offer at twilight. With the one lamb shall be one tenth of an ephah of flour mixed with one fourth of a hen of pressed oil and one fourth of a hen of wine as a drink offering. And the other lamb you shall offer at twilight and you shall offer with it the grain offering and the drink offering as in the morning for a sweet aroma, an offering made by fire to the Lord. The evening sacrifice or the evening offering was a sweet aroma to the Lord. Provided that the people remained in covenant with God. That is the old covenant. Provided that they worshipped according to the ways that God had prescribed in the old covenant. Provided that they didn't break covenant with God in the old covenant. But in the new covenant. The living Christ has accomplished all the covenant faithfulness. And the word of God says. It's as if our prayers are like these offerings. This incense, this offering, you can read of an example, for instance, in 1 Kings 18, 29 of the evening sacrifice or Daniel 9, verse 21. These pictures help us to pray. When you pray, even in the week ahead, you are crying out to God. Will you cry out to God? That's the way the Bible describes prayer. Your prayers are a plea for God's presence. Lord, it's you that I need. Lord, it's you with whom I must fellowship. Do you pray in this way? Thirdly, our prayers are New Covenant offerings. So should it surprise us then when the New Testament uses Old Testament language to describe what our life is like in the New Covenant? I beseech you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies as living sacrifices, offerings. Or how about when Paul tells Timothy about what prayer should look like in the church? Notice what language he uses. Turn over to First Timothy. First Timothy, chapter two. First Timothy chapter 2 and verse 8. There we read these words. I desire, therefore, that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath and doubting. Now, I don't know what your background is, friend, but many people read that and they read into that instruction a kind of charismatic influenced posture of prayer. Oh, well, Paul must be saying that when we worship God publicly, we raise our hands, we we might move to the beat of music. There, there might be this sense in which to truly worship God is to lift your hands. There may be moments for that. But I think... What Paul is doing when he tells Timothy, here's how you instruct older men and younger men in the church to pray. He's saying it's going to look like the evening sacrifice, where when that offering was offered to God, people would gather around and lift their hands in the air and pray. Which is why David says, let my prayer be set before you as incense, the lifting up of my hands as the evening sacrifice. Lord, receive my prayers. May they ascend to you as a sweet aroma, as an offering of covenant with you. But we don't have a temple. Sacrifices are gone. There's no incense. There's no sweet aroma. You might be telling yourself. But if you just thumb through the pages of the New Testament alone, you are told this, Christian, you do have a temple. It's Jesus Christ, and he has made you his temple. You do have sacrifices and offerings. They are your works and your prayers ascending to the living God by the blood of the lamb. You do have a priest. Who forever stands in the Holy of Holies, making intercession for you, pleading the merits of his own blood. You do have incense. It's your prayers. Friend, there is literally smoke and incense rising up to God in the new covenant all over the city of the church of Jesus Christ. But it's not made with matches It's the prayers of his people. Our priest is standing. He has taken his place. The sacrifice has been made. There is nothing else needed on the altar. The priest has made us a priestly class. And we now as his people are constantly in the posture of our hearts, offering prayers to God with hands raised in our hearts. Lord, hear our prayers. We pray to you that our prayers might be heard as sweet incense. Never, never are the prayers of the saints in the new covenant who are covered by the blood of the lamb. Never are they pictured as smelling foul to God. They're a sweet aroma. We don't light matches and burn incense in a building anymore. The smoke and the incense has not gone away. Position yourself then, friend, in your prayers, in the reality that your prayers ascend just as the Old Testament offerings and aromas did. You may be thinking, well, that's that's kind of a neat picture. Let me tell you what happened to me this week. I came across this passage, began to study it, began to reflect on it, think about it. And there were moments in the second half of this week when I prayed that this picture came to mind and it aided me in my prayers. It reminded me, now wait a minute. God is not a distant God who says, I've saved you and one day my son will come back for you. No. We, like David, can say our prayers are crying out to God, pleading for His presence, but our prayers... Are like incense and the evening offering of the sacrifice arising to God. And this picture aids us. If we will meditate on it, it aids us as we pray. David gives us a picture. It's from his context: temple worship, the offering, morning and evening, people praying, sometimes with lifted hands. People gathering at the evening sacrifice or the morning sacrifice, just as they were doing when Zacharias got the word about John. The buildings are gone. The matches and the flint, they've been put away. But there very much is smoke all over the city of the people of God. And it's our prayers. When you pray, don't for a moment think that your prayers only go as high as the ceiling. One of the blood-bought covenant blessings that Christ has purchased for you is that God hears you when you pray. That God make haste to come to you When you pray and that your prayers are now like the incense and evening offering smoke of worship, constantly ascending, pleasing the Lord and glorifying the great high priest who stands there and perfects your prayers by his precious intercession. These can be simple word pictures that you read and toss aside. That you sing when we ever sing Psalm 141 in worship and toss aside. Or they can actually be precious reminders to you of what your prayers really are in the sight of the living God. May we see our prayers like David pleads with God to see them. Let's pray. (coughs) Living God. We ask, as we pray to you, that you would help us to pray as if and in the light of these promises and pictures being true. That David's prayer, that his prayers may be like these things, might be a picture for us of what our prayers really are. Help us to see, Lord God, this very week. Our prayers ascending to you as incense, like the evening offering, like a gathering of people with whom you are in covenant, standing around an altar, worshiping you, and having their worship and their prayers ascending to your very right hand. Lord, may these pictures fuel our prayers this week, we ask.